It might be raining here, but it's nothing like what's going on in the eastern seaboard of the United States. I don't know if you've been following that in uh, North Carolina and different things, uh, the hurricane coming ashore. Uh, now, it's the, that is not funny in itself, but I don't know if any of you saw this clip on, it was on social media and different things about the guy from the Weather Network, where he's... Uh, the wind is blowing, and he's doing his report. And I'm, I'm standing here, and, and the wind is blowing, but, but we're going to, you know, and the water's rising and everything. And he's just, like, barely hanging on. You're like, whoa, it's really, really, really raining. It's windy. My goodness. And then right behind him in the picture walks two guys, like, on their way to the store. Fake news. I don't know where people think we get fake news sometimes. Hey, eh? come on. But it's real rain out there, and uh, it's... Uh, this, the season definitely uh, shifted for us, and we're looking forward to all that God has for us this fall. Uh, as Daniel said, my name is Craig. My wife Shanda and I together get to lead this church. Uh, great, great uh, privilege that it is. Shanda's this morning is actually at the church being planted up in North Surrey at Kwantlen Park Secondary Citizens Church. Uh, kids, uh, they were, they're not kids anymore. Jason and Kelsey, who we've known since they were 12 years old, are now planting it. So we're so privileged that we get to be a part of that. Amen. They're overflowing this morning. They didn't, they were running out of seats in the, in the auditorium. So that was cool. Yeah. But uh, here we are. We're starting a new series last week called Reset. Live the life that you were created for. Live the life that you were created for. We started in, I think it was Mark chapter 8, where it's a, a man by the name of Peter and, and Jesus were having a conversation where Jesus was talking about, uh, they had just come out of all these things of miracles happening, incredible things in store, and it was just wonderful what was going on. And then Jesus suddenly says this thing that what seemed to be off, off the mark, so to speak. It seemed to be missing out on what really should be happening. He said, oh, by the way, uh, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, and that's going to be the end, and then I'll come back in three days and, and rise again. And Peter was like, no, that's not going to happen. That's not the way I see it. You're not going to die. Uh, you're going to do what we need you to do. You're going to kick out the Romans. You're going to uh, put your crown down, and you're going to do things the way that we need because we need help here. And Jesus, Jesus then escalates it and said, hey, Get thee behind me, Satan. And he just like takes it to another level. He says, basically, Peter, your ideas about how you think you should live your life and the, and the way that I do are dramatically different. If you do it your way, you will get your results. It'll last for a little while. You'll probably get crushed by Rome, and that'll be the end of the story. A footnote of a, histor a historical figure who li lived back in, in 2,000 years ago. But I have a different way for you to live. I want you to live the life that you were created for. And Jesus then goes on to say, whoever, somebody say whoever, that's you, whoever wants to be my disciple, then he goes on and says this, not a crown, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Deny yourself, Pick up your cross and follow me. And Peter's like, whoa, what happened to the crown? What happened to the adoring crowds? What happened to crushing the Romans that are hurting us? Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. Four, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it or will find it, another translation says. What happened to the crown? 
reset. Someone said that, this is William Barclay, he said that Jesus came with a new view of life. They looked on glory as being this, conquest, acquisition of power, their right to rule. But Jesus looked at the cross, and he taught men and women that only by, go back one, only by death comes life. Only by spending life do we retain it. Only by service comes greatness. That's a, the opposite of what our world would say about how life is really meant to be lived. That's the opposite the way the world would say, here's how your path to success. Give your life away. Die to yourself. Spend your life on something that's greater than you. Live and go for it with all of your heart after something that is not going to directly benefit you seemingly. And serve your way to greatness. Serve your way to greatness. The greatest among you will be the servant of all. Servant is not a me serving is not a means to greatness. Serving is greatness. And Jesus was flipping on its head the concept of how to really live life. And in our world today, it's a good reminder that it's not who has the best Instagram story. It's not who seemingly has it all together. It's not the flashiest always that has it all figured out. It's not all of us who sometimes smile and look good. Sometimes the pathway is different than what you think it might be. Peter, it's not that way. I have a different way. Only by death comes life. Only by spending your life do you retain it. Only by service comes greatness. And reset, Jesus did, right there in that moment. And reset means to put back to the original plan or design. Because we have a tendency to go off track. And every so often, Jesus has to reset us and take us from where we've wandered or drifted and reset us back to what he always designed us to be. Sometimes reset also means when a bone's been broken, you have to reset it so that healing can flow. And some of us are in places of unhealth, and God wants to reset us and put us back in a place so that healing can flow in your life and through your life. That the life that you were intended for, you could live instead of just read about. That the life that you were intended for is not just what you see in someone else, but what God sees in you. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for your greatness. Thank you for your goodness. Father, thank you for every person in this room and those, Lord, that they represent. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity it is to serve you, to know you, and to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. By the way, I want to extend my personal greetings to uh, our Bible college students. See you. Um, no, for no problem. Uh, I came here in 1988. I told some of them this last week. And let me tell you that the key... Is not Bible college. Bible college is great, but the key is to take what you're learning and find a church to be a part of, and we're, you're welcome here. We hope it's here. If it's somewhere else, that's great too, and then get involved there because that's when your life begins to change. It's in the pathway of service, so if you're in Bible college or if you're not in Bible college, that's the pathway we're going to talk about today, actually, but have you ever started on something and you ended up in a surprising place, or you ever started doing something, and what happened was not what you anticipated happening. This year, I, uh, beginning in May, I went to a few places. I 
went to our, our national conference of our denomination in Canmore. It means I flew to Calgary and drove out to Canmore near Banff. And then in July, I went down and was part of speaking and ministering at a church in downtown Vancouver. And then later in August, I uh, went to Seattle and was part of a, of a church there and doing some things there. And, and it was good. And I remember I like driving in Alberta. Because I can do it while I'm sleeping. I just like hold the wheel and you, like the road is straight. But what happens sometimes is you tend to go a little faster. Don't look at me all innocent like that. We tend to go a little faster sometimes because we can see for miles every direction. If a deer's coming from the next state, we can see it. It's coming. We're going to be good. And so you tend to go a little faster. You don't always notice it. And so... I went out to Canmore, and I drove around Canmore for a couple of days and drove back to the airport and got on a plane and came home. Vancouver, I went down to this church, a church untitled, and I've been there many times, and I park in a certain spot that I've been told to park in, or at least I thought I was, and I went into it, and I parked there and went to the service. It was wonderful. God did incredible things, and we saw um, God move, and, and at the end, we went out, and I left, went back home. Seattle, went, got up in the morning, got up early, we were a little bit late because the other person, the person that I'm married to, needed to get a Starbucks because it was so early and all that, and I've learned that that's better if she's happy. <laughs> Someone clapping there because their wife told them to. <laughs> Just kidding. So anyway, we went, grabbed the Starbucks, went to church, hung out with some friends. Uh, later, we went to a football game. It was a wonderful time. And then, the middle of August, things started arriving in the mail. They have this demonic thing in Alberta called photo radar. We had it once in this province, and we cast it out. It's not godly. We recognize the traps of the enemy. We're not going to hold them. So I got from, uh, I thought it was going to be some kind of a rebate from budget rented car. And I opened it up and it says, oh, you were driving at the car at this place at this time. And uh, you went this speed, which wasn't fast. Wasn't fast. Don't, don't believe that. I, I'm not that guy who's going 160 while I'm on my Instagram talking to my followers. I'm not that. But I got one. And then a few days later, I got another discount. From budget rented car. Oh, and when you this one was from Canmore now, city of Canmore. They're all out there with their hands out like that. We know why Alberta's in trouble, why people are leaving it, coming to BC. Then a short time after that, a parking company in Vancouver sent me a ticket. I'm there trying to serve Jesus, do my very best, going to church. And I get a ticket in the mail for $100. If I pay it, if I'm guilty, I wasn't guilty. They put the sign somewhere different that day. No, another ticket. Then not long after that, the city of Alderwood, on the way to the Starbucks, because I was late, because of, well, we'll keep moving on, and I got another ticket. Again, all of them are cowards because they don't have the courage to come and talk to me. They just have a little camera somewhere. 
So all told, 100, 200, 300, 25, $450. Actually, it's more than that because one of those was an American. I'm just not going to go back to a USA. I'm never going to pay that sucker. I'm staying right here. No, I'm not. I'm going to go back. It's all right. We don't always see the impact immediately of what we do. We think and we live, and not immediately do we see what happens. And, but if, if someone had stopped me, I might have altered my behavior a lot quicker than just had allowed this pain to go on and keep going on. And it happens in funny ways like that, but there's sometimes when it happens when, for me personally, that I, I engage in comparison sometimes. My comparison might be different than yours. My comparison is I'll go on social media and I'll always find a preacher who preaches better than me. You will too, so I'm okay with that. I always find a church that's reaching more people, a church that's doing better seemingly, and all those kind of things. And what happens is what I find happening in my heart, that what started in a moment of comparison leads me down a path to not that much longer later, especially on Monday when I'm like, I want to quit right now. Everything that I did yesterday, no, nothing happened because that's what the, the, the tape that begins to play when comparison starts to go. And pretty soon I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I should just go sell, uh, pump gas or something or maybe operate a photo radar van. But it starts with just a thought that becomes more than a thought that becomes now begins to settle into who I am and affects how I live my life and my perspective on things. And I think sometimes that happens to us, to all of us. A situation in life that happens and maybe it's your busy schedule that you're under and the pressure is on of, of finances or maybe you're in university and, and you're just under the gun all the time and you're trying to work and you're trying to keep moving on things and yet the pressure is there or maybe your thing that's putting it on you is addiction or or maybe you've come out of a relationship that was abusive and hurtful to you, and you're just in the place of, what am I doing? What's going on? Or you failed at something, and slowly you find the drift happening where what started as pressure and difficulty has now moved you into a thought process where uh, I, I begin to make poor decisions, where now I begin to just feel irritated. Now, I, instead of being excited for life, I'm enduring life. Instead of enjoying things, I'm just hanging on and I'm settling into just getting by instead of living for what I was called to live like. See, the Bible says that without a vision, in other words, without seeing what God has for your life, you'll live carelessly. And that's what the enemy is always trying to do is to put so much pressure on you, to put so much over you, to, to discourage you, to cause you to be uh, distracted by things so that you start to lose heart, you start to lose perspective, and most of all, we start to lose vision for what God has for us. And instead of living the life that he created us for, we begin to live at less. We begin to settle down. We, have, we begin to say, it's all right, I'm just going to settle for a marriage that's mediocre. I'm just going to settle for a life that's listless. I'm just going to have employment that I endure instead of enjoy. Anxiety is what I'm ever going to live with. And we drift and we drift and we drift. And someone has stolen the, supernatural, the super out of our supernatural. And all we're left with is just somebody who knows Jesus. But our life is very little different than the people around us. 
And like Peter, we start telling Jesus, I want my life to be different, and here's how you're going to fix it. I want it my way. I don't like this way. I don't want this way. Jesus, you're going to do it my way. And Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I want to reset because I want you to help you live the life you're created for, not the life you're walking through right now. Because there's more for your life. I want to reset your life. Not settling in, but think of it. If you could take a step that would increase your joy, that would raise your fulfillment, would help you to make a greater impact in the world, wouldn't you do it? Because Jesus is about resetting our perspectives. That's what this series is about, resetting our perspectives, resetting our practices, resetting our lives in the way that God has for them so that we can live what Jesus has for our life. And then we're, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. And it's a story, it's a familiar story if you're part of the church for very often. And it's a story of feeding the 5,000 where Jesus fed 5,000. But the context of the story is that Jesus at one time had called his disciples and said, follow me. And what they did is that they followed Jesus. When Jesus called them, immediately they went, yep, we're doing it. We're following you. We're going after it. And they saw. then Jesus began to train them. And, and then he had trained them so well that after a amount of time, they, they began to go out on two by two. And they would lay hands on people. People would get healed. There would be cities would be turned upside down. Miracles would happen, incredible things. And so they were coming back from one of these trips. And it was a successful trip. They were tired out. And Jesus had just gotten the news that his cousin John was beheaded by the King Herod. And they came together, and they had been on their ministry trip. Jesus had then been on what he had walked through, and they came together, and Jesus said, let's take a rest. It's been a hard season. The pressure has been on, and let's take a rest. These men who had been full of faith were tired. Let's take a rest. And they get in a boat, and they go off. And everybody that had been following him saw where they were headed and ran around. And when it says in Mark chapter 6 and verse 34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, someone say large. He had a large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was so late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much time on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties and taking the five loaves and two fishes, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So the disciples come back. They come back, and Jesus comes back. They go, they get off the boat, and they see this large crowd. Jesus has compassion, and he teaches them and pours out some more upon them. And the disciples had had enough. They're like, Jesus, we're done. Send these people away. The need is too big. We can't meet it. Send them away. Let them take care of themselves. Then Jesus says, 
You feed them. You feed them. And here's where what pressure and what stress and what life can begin to change your perspective. The disciples who had once said, we're coming, Jesus. We'll follow you wherever you go. The visionary ones, the optimistic ones, the following ones had settled from supernatural into settling. And with a sarcastic tone, almost, you can hear them saying, where are we going to get this from? Are we going to make blood from stone? There's no way that we can do this with a sarcastic tone. Maybe, Jesus, you'll make a money tree and it'll all come. Maybe that's how you'll do it. And Jesus ignores their sarcasm and subtly and asks a very simple question. Basically, he says, what do you have? What do you have? You know, it's not what you don't have that's going to count. It's what you do have. I had a Bible college teacher, Mr. Nichols, who used to say to me, say to me, he said, Craig, it's not what you have that matters. It's what you do with what you have that's going to pay off in the end. What do you have? What do you have? Five loaves and two fishes. And in another gospel, Andrew says, but what difference is that going to make? Isn't that how we feel sometimes? Jesus, what difference is it going to make? What's my part? How is it going to make a difference in what's happening around me? Don't you see? I want you to solve my issue right now. I'm the one who's hungry. What I have is insignificant. It's not going to make a difference. It'll never happen the way you promised. You healed other people. You fed other people. But right now, I don't have enough. I don't know about you, but oftentimes in our house, if I don't put things back in the same place, I will lose them. I have a three-point tap before I leave my house. Keys, wallet, phone. And I go. And then if one of them is empty, I'm like, (gasps) because they stay in my pocket all the time. If one of them's missing, I'll say, I'll look everywhere. I'll look under the couch. I'll look in the dog kennel. I'll see if he buried it somewhere. Like, I'm looking everywhere, and I can't seem to see it. So what do I do? I now find my iPhone and find my phone. That's it. But my keys are the ones that are usually missing. And so what I do is I do what any smart husband does. Shanda! I can't find my keys. She'll say this incredibly wise thing. Where did you have them last? If I knew that, yes, dear, I think I put them some. And then she'll go, I say, could you look for me, please? Shanda, could you please look for me? And then she finds them invariably, right, in the open. Right there on the counter, Craig. Yeah, I was just seeing to check if your little mama spidey sense was still working. There they were, right there on the counter. 48 seconds, where I've been looking for 48 hours. I don't admit it very quick right now. Like, I'll I'll sneak the key off of her ring. I'll use that for a couple days. And then finally I have to tell her I can't find it. See, what Jesus was trying to get them to see was what they had. Because sometimes you fail to see what's right in your hand because it's common to you. But Jesus wants them to know that what you think you have is, in fact, not all that you have. You think that you just have five loaves and two fishes, but that's not all you have. It's what you have, but it's not all you have. 
And Jesus ignores them. He takes it. What you're settling for is not all there is. And he blesses it and he breaks it. Then he puts it back into their hands. And through their hands goes bread that then became a blessing to many, many people. From five loaves of fishes, five loaves and two fish, a lunch for one little boy became a meal for a multitude. And when you release what's in your hand, God can release what's in his heart. Because what's in your hand is what, only what you can see. And most of the time we see lack, we see not enough, we see insignificance, we see all the reasons what we don't have. But when you release what's in your hand, God can release what's in his heart for you. But if you don't release what's in your hand, God will not release what's in his heart for you. You can have one or the other. You can hold on to what you have and have that. Or you can release it into God's hand and have that. If it's in your hand, it stays bread. If it goes into Jesus' hand, it becomes a banquet. If it stays in your hand, it's fish. If it moves into Jesus' hand, it becomes a feast. If it stays in your hand, it's a meal for one. If it moves into Jesus' hand, it becomes a meal for a multitude. If it stays in your hand, it's just enough. Settle. But if it moves into Jesus' hand, it becomes more than enough. What is in your hand? What you hold, what you hold on to, what Jesus has given you. But as I was preparing for this, I, I had this picture in my mind. I don't know if it was, that's how it comes to me sometimes. God's asking for what's in our hand, but many of us have another hand behind our back. We have two hands, and one of them's behind our back. Say, I, I have some things, some good things. Yes, there are a few things that I want, but I have something out of my hand that I don't really want to release. I have some hurt and some pain that's in my hand that nobody else sees in my hand. I have some unforgiveness. I have some bitterness. I have some addiction issues. I have some anxiety issues. I have some other things that are in my hand. And, and when you released one thing, God is actually asking, what's in your hands? What's, what, what's in your life? What's, what are you holding on to? Because as long as you hold on to either the negative or just hold on to the positive, God can never release to you what's on your heart, what's on his heart for you. It says in, a, in Isaiah, it says, I am doing a new thing. See, it springs up. Do you not perceive it? In other words, if, you only, if you're always looking back and trying to hold on to what was, you will never see what is. He said, forgetting what is behind, I press on to what God has for me right now. And some of us, Jesus is not just looking for what's in your hand and what he's given you. He's also looking for you to release the thing that you don't even want anyone to see you that's going on in your hand. What's in your hand? Faith descend, had descended into realism. Your disappointment had turned your dreams into drifting. Your supernatural habits have now settled into settling. What's in your hand? Jesus wants to do a reset. Because as long as the bread stayed in your hands, it was a meal for one. In the hands of Jesus, it becomes a banquet for many. When you release what's in your hand, God can release what's in his heart. What's held on to you is limited by what you can do. What's released to Jesus is only limited by what Jesus 
can do. And God wants to do more in your life. Most of us don't recognize what God's put in our hands. He's put gifting into your hands. He's put talent into your hands. He's put ability into your hands. He's put won battles into your hands. He's put things into your life that sometimes you don't even recognize what's in your hand. But Ephesians 2.10 says this about you, that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good things which God's prepared in advance for you to do. God created you for an incredible life. God created you to make a difference. God created you to be empowered by him. God's put gift in you. God's put uh, tenacity in some of you. God's put things in you that he wants to pull out of you because as long as it stays in you, it's just for one. But when it comes out of you, you get what what is on God's heart and it touches a multitude. Ephesians 2.10. You could have been born at any other time in history, but now is when you're here. You could have lived any other place, but now is where you are. See, that's how God works. God has a design for your life. God has a plan for your life. It's not to settle. It's not to live in smallness. It's not to live in I, my, the, the past that you went through. It's not to stay in the pain that you have walked through. It's to live in the design of God for your life. And he's calling and he's saying, I want to reset your life. I want to set it back on the path that I've always had for you from before the foundation of the world. When nobody knew your name, I knew you. When, when people rejected you, I saw you. When you thought you had no place, I have created a place for you, when you wondered if you would ever amount to anything, God says, I saw you, you're going to amount to something, your life's going to bring forth goodness in the world, it's going to be an incredible thing to see happen. This is a, I think you can find that verse if you push it ahead there, Uh, this became a life verse for me when I was a 17 and an 18 year old boy and, and I came into this and I've told you this before, I came into Bible college, I could hardly look people in the eye, I was scared, I was shy I couldn't speak, my face would go beat red and people would ah, yeah, I, how could I And I somehow as God began to work in my life I, I got a revelation that the purpose of God is greater within me than any obstacle that's coming against me and I began to see that God had a design for my life, he began to reset my thinking, he began to reset my emotions. He began to reset the, the wounds of my heart. He began to reset me onto a path for my life. That's the God that we serve. This morning, you might feel disappointment inside of you, but God sees destiny all over you. You might see all you see is failure, but God sees a bright future. You might just feel absolute frustration, but God wants you to walk in freedom. You might feel uh, like settling, but God sees you thriving. Communion, guys, if you can get ready. And you know, you hear us, and Daniel even mentioned it, talking about Grow Track. And that's not just something we do to, to get people to do a job. It actually is part of what we believe that it's a, just a tool that we feel like that God's uh, put into our hands to help people find their purpose. See, we really believe what the Bible says is that God has a destiny for your life. In 1 Peter 4 and 10, it says this, that God has given each of you each of you, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Turn to the person beside you and say, you're gifted. Come on, try it again. You're gifted. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. There's nobody 
who's excluded. There's nobody who's an outsider. There's nobody who can't grab a hold of it. There's no one that God said, not for you. Every one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, has been gifted with a gift that God's put in your hand, but if it just stays in your hand, it'll only be for you. But if you release it into God's hand, then God can give you what's in his heart for your life, and he can begin to reset your life and put you on a path that will take you into places that you have only dreamed about in your heart. Keep it in your hand. You get a meal. Put it in God's hand. You get a banquet. Find life. And look what it says at the end of that verse. Use them well to serve one another. Then look at happens. Then everything you do will bring glory to God. But God, I want to fix this area of my life, and I want you to do this, and I want you to do that. I want you to deny yourself. I want you to pick up your cross and your purpose and begin to step out and to do that. Yeah, but God, what about this? Well, when you begin to do this, then what happens is that God begins to move in this mess and where you're trying to get figure it all out all by yourself in the whirlwind and the swirlwind and you can't figure it out. God says begin to deny yourself, pick up your cross, begin to walk out your purpose and what happens is that everything you do begins to change. Everything you do begins to turn around. Everything that you couldn't solve begins to be solved. Not because you have figured it out, because now you have invited Jesus Jesus into your journey, and the journey that was going one way, God begins to set you on a new destination that was in his heart from before the foundation of the world, and when things have knocked you off and have caused you to withdraw and caused you to almost give up, and you've been offended at something or you've been hurt by something, and you say, I'm just going to stay there, and God is this morning wanting to reset your life onto the path that he has for you, because let me get this, because it's not just about you. It's not just about you. It's what God wants to do in you for sure, but it's also what God wants to do through you. Because he doesn't want to just give you a a moment that solves your, like a pill, a moment of anxiety and gives you a relief for a moment. He actually wants to get to the root and solve what's causing the anxiety. He wants to deal with the issue and set you on a new path, but it doesn't happen except his way. Almost there, ushers. Not quite. Pastor, what are you saying? In the middle of all that's going on, in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your busyness, in the middle of your stress, in the middle of lack of resource, in the middle of confusion, in the middle of relational issues, in all kinds of issues, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to do a big ask in a moment, I'm going to ask you to allow Jesus to reset your thinking. I'm going to ask you to allow Jesus to reset your priorities. Because Jesus has a life for you that he wants to set you on, to reset your life. I want you to imagine and think about, not just your stuff for a moment, but think about the brokenness in our city. I want you to think about the person in your family, if you're a follower of Jesus that doesn't know Jesus, maybe they're here with you this morning. That'd be incredible. I want you to think about the marriage in your complex that's falling apart, and you know it is because you hear the shouting through the wall. I want you to think about the person in your university class that's so confused, they wonder where their life is going and what is going to happen with it. I want, you invite, I want to invite you to think about, like Jesus did, he saw the crowd. He was moved with compassion. He moved with compassion. The disciples just wanted to move them away. Pick up your cross. Pick up your purpose. Find your purpose in 2018, 2019. Don't get by. Don't just settle. Don't just let another year go by. But 
take a step. Take a step. Find your purpose. Find your purpose. Find your purpose. Because then God could begin to work in your life. When you release some of what's in your hand, God can release what's in his heart. At Horizon, I want to tell you what happens when people release what's in their head. At Horizon, these are just a few stories of the last number of months. Because someone released what's in their hand and served in a small group. I know a young person who has found their identity in Jesus. How the suicidal thoughts that they once fought all the time have been broken and they're on a new path for their life. You know what? Because someone released what was in their hand by practicing all week and coming early to play worship, play in a band on a platform. I know a son that had invited his mom to church and she came to know Jesus because someone took what was in their hand and God multiplied it and fed a multitude, fed a mom. She gave her life to Jesus. I know... I know because someone released what was in their hand by marking lessons for Overseas Gospel Mission, which is our correspondence Bible college for the third world. I know a pastor in rural Ghana. He's my friend now. Because someone marked that lesson, used what was in their hand. That pastor didn't quit. And he's gone on to plant dozens of churches. He started a nurses training school that has hundreds of nurses all throughout Ghana. He started an orphanage that pulls kids out of the street and out of the gutter and puts them on a new path for their life. And they started a school where kids who wouldn't have had an opportunity to go to school get to go to school because someone released what was in their hand and marked the paper. Because someone released what was in their hand by serving kids ministry so that a parent who had never been to church could come into a service and experience the presence of Jesus and in that service give their lives to Jesus and begin a journey to deal with the frustration and the pain that they walked with all their life and never knew that there was a God who loved them, who, who was for them, who could set their life on a new journey and direction because someone released what was in their hand. 